It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is the Jet Steelers post-game report. So for that, of course, we bring in the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, the Jets win their sixth game of the season. This was an ugly one from start to finish. If you had no vested interest in this in terms of being a Steeler fan or a Jet fan, I can't imagine why you would have been watching this one because, Matt, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. This was not exactly the most exciting football game I've ever watched. The Jets won this one, but they didn't really look good in doing it, most especially Sam Darnold. It's funny, I was mentioning this to you before we started recording. This felt like a Josh Allen performance to me because the team didn't score a lot of points, but they scored just enough to get the win. No interceptions, although there were plenty of interceptable type of passes and bad decisions. A couple of splash plays, particularly that great throw in between two defenders for a touchdown to Robbie Anderson. Robbie made a really nice catch on that one as well. Box score actually looked pretty good for Sam Darnold, 95 quarterback rating. But if you watch this game, you know that he really wasn't all that good. As I said, pretty much your prototypical Josh Allen game. That's what we saw from Sam Darnold today. And that's the most discouraging thing here, Matt, because if the Jets are going to win this game, which was going to hurt their draft order, and as of right now, they are picking 11th. So we'll see how that shakes out after next week. But this likely knocked them out of contention for the top tackles and a couple of the top wide receivers. If that was going to happen, you wanted it to happen because Sam Darnold had a really nice game. He really didn't play that well, and the Jets won an ugly game. So it's kind of a bad combination. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, it, it is. Uh, we, we do, I think, kind of risk getting into this cycle a little bit, though, of, of riding and dying a little too hard with, uh, you know, Darnold's every week. And at this point, you know, he's the sole focus. So every time uh, he takes the field, it's, it's like the whole fan base is waiting with bated breath to see what he's going to do. And if he has a really good week, it's, he's going to be unbelievable and if he has uh you know a, a not as good week here everyone just kind of uh you know has their head in their hands and is a little bit more discouraged not to say that they're you know given up by him on him by any means but uh it's just funny to see you know when when the team's fortunes go out the window everyone stops like caring too much about if they win or lose and now it's just strictly you know all of those emotions are focused pretty heavily on Sam Darnold so uh, you know, not worth panicking by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly wasn't his best performance. And, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say here with one game left that he hasn't made the, the giant year two leap that a lot of people were probably hoping for. It's, it's been more of kind of a bunny hop forward for Sam Darnold. And, uh, you know, Sunday's performance wasn't one of his best for sure. It's not one of the ones that's going to make the highlight tape. It, it was uneven. He made some bad decisions that he kind of got away with. 
some sloppy throws, some loose throws, some inaccurate throws. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was a, a winning effort. And uh, let's be honest, I mean, any, it's like a pitcher in baseball, right? You got to be able to get wins when you don't have your best stuff. And, you know, you got to give Darnold at least a little bit of credit today that he managed to kind of gut out a win despite the fact that he wasn't uh, at his sharpest. I think Darnold overall has produced more good than bad this season, Matt. Perhaps we all expected a little too much because we saw what happened with Carson Wentz going to the Super Bowl in his second year. We saw Jared Goff get to the Super Bowl in his third year. So everybody was hoping that he would take that giant leap. But what we forgot to account for is the fact that the Rams and the Eagles had much better rosters around those quarterbacks. So Sam Darnold was more or less asked to carry this offense for the bulk of the season, especially since Le'Veon Bell was having trouble being able to run behind that offensive line. A trend that continued today, another rough one for Le'Veon Bell. Again, not his fault. The offensive line didn't give him much to work with, but this has been the worst season of Le'Veon Bell's career statistically. And obviously a huge disappointment all around. Like I said, not entirely his fault, but this one seems destined for a divorce. We've been talking about this for a while, that it looks like the Jets are probably going to move on for Le'Veon Bell or at least attempt to do that in the offseason. I think it's a shame because if they upgrade the offensive line, I think that Le'Veon Bell could be a real weapon for them. But once again, this offensive line did him no favors. He averaged under three yards a carry. This is not the performance that the Jets thought they were going to be getting from Le'Veon Bell on a weekly basis. One more time, just so there's no confusion, I do not believe that it's his fault for the most part, but this is another reason why Sam Darnold has had trouble making that giant leap. In addition to what we know about the offensive line, everybody expected Le'Veon Bell to take a lot of the pressure off of him, and he hasn't been able to do that. Yeah, and before I touch on Bell, I guess I'll just kind of have this last note on Darnold. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Wentz and, and Goff and those guys taking those big second-year leap forward with you know more talented rosters. But uh, we also, I mean, and we're all guilty of this. We all talk about these things and write about these things, whatever, as if they're you know linear career arcs that you know can either go up or down. And in reality, it's it's a lot more ebbs and flows. I mean, look at Goff and Wentz this year. I don't think anyone has raving about them making, you know, another big leap forward. You know, guys are going to have good years. They're going to have bad years. They're going to have ebbs and flows within the season too. So, uh, you know, maybe Sam Darnold doesn't have the, the big year two breakout, but maybe he avoids the year three recession uh, that some of these other guys have had the year four dip. Uh, so, you know, it, everyone kind of takes their own path in that regard, I guess. But, uh, you know, getting back to Le'Veon Bell, yeah, clearly – this hasn't worked out. Uh, it's, it's not going nearly as well as the Jets would have hoped. Um, I know you said he averaged less than three yards per uh, carry today. I will say he didn't help himself with that one that he re- reversed course, mm-hmm. and I think he lost 11 yards on that mm-hmm. one. So he kind of killed his own average on that one. It actually probably should have been a little bit better, and under three yards a carry might actually be a little bit of a disservice to how the offensive line blocked for him. Not to say it was good or great by any stretch of the imagination, but it was probably at least a little bit better than 2.9 yards per carry. So, uh, you know, that one's on Le'Veon Bell. But for the most part, you know, throughout the season, you're certainly right. I mean, uh, I would say it's more on the offensive line, his statistics, than, you know, his actual performance. He has been severely limited throughout the year just based on what's been around him. Uh, and, yeah, same thing. I, I will be surprised if the Jets don't try to move him at this point just because – uh, you know, it, it certainly looks like this team is still, you know, a year or two years away from really kind of 
getting the pieces in place that they need to be a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you have Le'Veon Bell, you're, you're paying him to be the guy right here and now. So, uh, it's not really a fit timeline wise between these two parties right now. So, uh, like you said, kind of a shame because who knows, maybe Bell could be good behind a good offensive line next year if the Jets manage to figure it out. But, uh, Joe Douglas has a lot of work to do up front. He's got to replace at least three pieces up there, if not all five. So, uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him rebuilding the offensive line. And, uh, you know, that's another reason why the, the draft pick slipping a little bit hurts because, uh, you know, it just re- reduces Douglas's flexibility, his ability to grab a, a top tackle or, uh, you know, move down in the draft, trade down and pick up some extra picks, whatever he wanted to do. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's a bittersweet day, I guess, for the Jets is really the theme. Joe Douglas certainly is going to have his work cut out for him when it comes to fixing that offensive line. One of those guys that he's going to have to replace is Brandon Shell, who is once again terrible today. He more or less did an Ole job where he let T.J. Watt have a direct path to the quarterback. I believe I tweeted out that a T.J. Watt-Brandon Shell matchup should be ruled illegal by the NFL. It shouldn't even be allowed because it's such a huge mismatch. That is what led to the Darnold fumble in this game. And going back to Le'Veon Bell as well, Matt, I have to say, Michael Nania brought up a great point in a text message to me, and I understand that in the heat of the moment, sometimes you wouldn't think about this, but on a play like that, I'm not sure why Le'Veon Bell didn't think to just throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah, we ha- we actually said that same thing in the uh, the press box, too. We are kind of half-joking that he should have chucked it out of bounds, and uh, if I remember right, looking at the, the replay, when he kind of reversed course, he-, he had guys right around him, so... I don't know if he had the, the time and space to comfortably kind of untuck it and feel like he could get it away, but uh, it certainly wouldn't have been a bad idea. It was, or at the very least, it would have been a better idea than uh, trying to cut all the way back across the field and losing 11 yards. So uh, really what Bell should have done at that point was just kind of cut his losses instead of turning around and going all the way back across the field. Just uh, cut up field, get what you can, uh, you know, just limit the damage. But uh, trying to cut back across the field all the way against the green with no blocking help was uh, a bold move and uh, not one that was very successful for sure. Let's talk about the rest of the offense. I mentioned that catch that Robbie Anderson made in the end zone. With each passing week, it sure seems like Robbie Anderson is getting ready to make himself some money here in the offseason. He only had two catches for 32 yards, but that one catch in the end zone, a contested catch in between two defenders where he really stretched out for it and made an excellent catch, was a highlight reel type of grab. I'm curious to see what happens going forward, but I do think that Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson have really rekindled that spark that they had together down the stretch of the season last year. Robbie Anderson just keeps making more plays like this. As far as I'm concerned, the Jets should be gearing up to try and keep them. We'll see what happens. But even though it was only two catches, an impressive day for Robbie Anderson. Yeah, so I think the question with Robbie at this point is, you know, is this, are him and Darnold always going to kind of be streaky together? And is it gonna, is this just an extension of last year where they had a bunch of weeks where they weren't that good and then they were good at the end of the season together? And, you know, they're kind of just following that same formula where it's a handful of weeks of not so good and then followed by a bunch of weeks of really good. Uh, or is are both seasons kind of following the same pattern because they were getting used to each other last year within a system, and then once they figured it out, they were good down the stretch. And then the same thing this year where, you know, Donald was obviously in and out early on, so it took them to, uh, a little while to get their feet wet and get settled into Gase's system. And now that they are and they're both on the same page, the results are coming. Is that the, the thought? And, you know, if that's the thought, 
for Joe Douglas, then you have to be salivating at the thought of keeping him because, you know, they won't have to reset week one next year. But if you're more convinced that it's just some streakiness, then you got to be a little bit concerned about what you're really paying Robbie Anderson for and how much you should pay him and whether or not it's worth keeping him. So that's going to be the big evaluation question, I think, for Joe Douglas is just kind of what has been behind this uh, resurgence for Robbie Anderson, why they were quiet early in the year together, you know, what is kind of the disconnect between the Robbie Anderson we saw earlier this season and the Robbie Anderson we're seeing now, uh, and also, you know, whether or not uh, the Jets can just trust this kind of consistent level of production moving forward. Because obviously, if Robbie Anderson is doing stuff like he has the last five or so weeks on a weekly basis, the Jets will be very happy to have him. Any team would be happy to have him and he would be a, a super valuable player for them. But, uh, you know, if he's the kind of guy that it's just going to be a roller coaster ride all the time, then you got to start getting into, you know, whether or not it's worth it. So it's going to be a, an interesting question for Joe Douglas. I know the wide receiver market isn't all that great. So that'll obviously kind of play into things as well as he makes the decision. So it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next, uh, you know, few months here as he kind of gears up to make this choice. Matt, let's talk about a disturbing trend. The Jets get off to a hot start and then completely fizzle out on offense. How many times have we seen this movie this season, Matt? Yeah, a lot. Uh, though I'm not even sure if today uh, you could. It was more of a lukewarm start, I suppose, than a hot start. The first drive was good, and then mm-hmm. you know three points after that, the rest of the half. So uh, not exactly a boiling hot start that we've seen in some other weeks. But yeah, certainly the the fact that things fizzle out and don't really seem to get rekindled after halftime. Uh, it's certainly a, a persistent concern. Uh, doesn't seem like there's a, a whole lot of adjusting or, it, you know, at the very least, if they are adjusting, it's not the correct adjustments, I suppose, because, the you know, the points aren't coming, the drives aren't coming. So uh, I do think today might have been a little bit of a, not a special circumstance, but I, I do think that Adam Gase anticipated this was going to be a rock fight kind of game, an ugly game, one where his defense was going to be, uh, kind of leading the charge here and he expected it to really be low scoring. So uh, he was a little bit more willing to be conservative in his play calling this week than maybe some others, or at least, you know, the, the, the approach maybe made some more sense this week than others. Um, Cause certainly he's been plenty conservative throughout the season or, you know, for the most part, he's been a pretty conservative play caller. So uh, maybe that approach just made more sense this week, but um, yeah, the, the fact that, Things kind of always seem to to peter out as the day goes on. It's certainly a concern for the Jets. One thing that was concerning along those lines, though, Matt, to me, and this is a point that was brought up by Bart Scott on SNY after the game, the Steelers didn't use a lot of their trademark formations. They weren't as aggressive as you'd normally see them be, and yet Adam Gase just had no way to account for this. He didn't seem to know what to do when he was faced with something different than what he was expecting. And this is another issue that we've seen time after time after time. When things are going on script, everything's fine. But as soon as things go off script, Adam Gase seems to not know what to do. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, I mean, this is not a new thing. It's uh, been kind of an every week problem for the Jets. They've been, I think the, the biggest thing, and we've talked about this, we talked about this after the Ravens game last week. I mean, uh, it kind of an indictment every time in the third quarter this year, they've been, really bad. I and mean, what do you do in the third quarter? You, you build off the adjustments you made at halftime. So uh, they've scored, I think, three, three third quarter touchdowns this year, and they've scored in the third quarter five times going into this week. So uh, the third quarters have not been good. 
obviously that points to the fact that the Jets aren't kind of making the right tweaks behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, this week, the fact that uh, once again, when the script kind of went out the window, things weren't going well, it, it just points back to that same theme over again. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk a little bit about the defense now. Matt, I was texting Michael Nania about how Blessing Austin so far had looked like the best cornerback the Jets have had since Darrell Revis left. Now, to be fair, that's a pretty low bar because the Jets really haven't had much of cornerback since Darrell Revis left the first time. But then, of course, right after I texted him that, Bless Austin started getting beat up to the point where at the end of the half, he got torched for a touchdown. And I mean, at the very end of the half. And then he was benched in the second half. So what happened here? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I guess he just got exposed a little bit there. And uh, I got to dig into the numbers. I haven't looked at them in a little while, but I do remember a couple weeks back seeing a statistic where, uh, you know, Bless Austin actually hadn't been getting targeted a whole lot by opposing quarterbacks, which uh, was a little bit surprising when I saw it at the time, because you would obviously think that, uh, you know, opposing quarterbacks, they see a a rookie that's only played a handful of games and is coming off of a major knee injury and you'd be salivating and trying to throw the ball over there. But uh, for the most part, opposing quarterbacks hadn't gone his way a whole ton. And, you know, maybe that's partially a testament to him, you know, doing a nice job in coverage and dissuading them from throwing in his direction. But uh, it, it certainly seems like the Steelers at some point kind of decided, hey, we, you know, let's give this a shot. Let's throw his way. And uh, he got exposed a little bit. But that one right before halftime was, was pretty excusable. I mean, given how much time's left on the clock and the situation there, he has to know that. The only two options are they're going to take a shot at the end zone or they're going to take a shot toward the boundary. And, uh, you know, the most likely scenario at that point, because they were kind of already on the edge of the free field goal range, was that they were going to go for, you know, go for broke, go for the end zone. So to let a guy get behind you there is, is pretty brutal and, uh, you know, a, a pretty ugly mistake from Bless Austin. But 
you know, he's a rookie. He's played, what, six games, I guess, at this point, maybe seven. He's, the first game was in week 10. So, uh, you know, there's going to be some bumps along the way. And, you know, I guess it's a positive that he made it this far without having any major bumps. But, uh, you know, certainly a, a big roadblock for him to overcome after this one. Rough game for Bless Austin, but another member of the secondary who had been struggling had a really nice game today. A couple of big splash plays from Marcus May. He had that diving interception in the end zone to save what could have been a touchdown. And then later on, he had the play that ended the game where he was able to knock the ball away. Pretty impressive stuff here from Marcus May, who had come under fire lately for having a rough stretch. But these were the type of splash plays that you were hoping to see from him all season. I know a lot of people have joked about the fact that he may lead the league and drop interceptions, but today he came up with the grab. Yeah, he absolutely did, and it was a really, really nice grab too. I mean, good job by him, good body control to get those feet down in bounds, and you know, you know, stick with the ball all the way to the ground, make sure that he completed the catch. So, good job by Marcus May there. Really nice play, uh, and that pass break up in the end zone too was just so huge. I mean, uh, Jordan Jenkins admitted after the game that. He saw that ball go up in the air, and he turned around and went, "Oh!" And I won't repeat the expletive, but it, <laughs> you know, he was he was nervous when that ball was in the air, and Marcus May comes over and bats it down. So, a uh, really nice play by him. A really good week for him. And uh, if you're the Jets, you got to hope that he he can build on this. I know, you know, obviously he only has one more chance this season, but hopefully he can carry some of this momentum into the off season because uh, it's it's been an up and down year for him for sure. Uh, it has not been his best play from start to finish. So, uh, you know, and also in fairness to him, I mean, uh, he gets overshadowed a little bit. Jamal Adams makes so many amazing plays, so many great plays that sometimes he does look a little bit more pedestrian just by comparison being back there. But, uh, you know, I think even he would probably have to admit that it's not been his best season. So uh, to have a big game like this late in the year, come up clutch and kind of secure the win for the Jets has to feel really good if you're Marcus Knight. All that said, the front seven seemed to struggle quite a bit in this game, especially the defensive line. They weren't shutting down the run the way that you would think they would, especially against a Steelers running game that is really not all that good and that lost John Connor early in the game. And I'll tell you something, Matt. When I was watching this game, it felt like once Mason Rudolph came in, the Steelers hit on something a little bit. I still wonder if they might have been able to overcome the Jets if Rudolph hadn't gotten hurt and they had to go back to Hodges. This is not the best performance we've seen from Greg Williams' defense today. I know that they only gave up 10 points, but to be fair, we knew how bad the Steelers' offense was coming in, so we knew they were going to have trouble scoring points. There were opportunities here. They were bailed out, as we said, by Marcus May. One time they were also bailed out by Terrell Basham, so... Even though they only gave up 10 points, and again, as we talked about with Sam Darnold, this is the importance of watching and not just looking at the box scores. I didn't think this was a very impressive performance in a lot of ways for Greg Williams' defense today. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them at least some credit. Like you said, I mean, they only gave up 10 points, and they managed to force a couple turnovers, so so that much was good. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the Steelers certainly had some more success once Hodges came out of the game, and uh, Mason Rudolph went in there, so probably fortunate for them that he got banged up and had to come back out. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, this is not a very good Steelers offense. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess I'll give the, the Jets defense some credit. I mean, it, they bend, but they didn't break. Uh, they've been doing – they've kind of been playing that style a lot all season long. I mean, really, but for a, a two-minute stretch late in the, the first half, uh, they didn't give up anything. So it, even if there were some ugly points and, you know, they could have cleaned some stuff up and 
you know, they may, may not have looked as sharp at points this week as they have in other weeks. They still were getting the job done at the end of the day, which is obviously the most important thing. So uh, I won't kill them too much, but, uh, you know, certainly they could have done a little bit better, uh, you know, against the run. Like you said, they were getting gashed at some points and uh, we already mentioned bless Austin and, you know, some secondary troubles at points. So uh, was it the prettiest performance? No, but uh, in a rock fight, the fact that they managed to limit all of the Steelers production to a two minute span or so, and, you know, the one touchdown came after a Sam Donald fumble that set up a short field, too. So, uh, you know, the, the defense for all of its flaws, they, they did hide a decent chunk of them, at least on the scoreboard Sunday. So uh, there is that if you're Greg Williams. I mean, maybe not the prettiest performance. And, yes, not against a very good offense. But, it, you know, at least they did get the job done. Nice to see some splash plays from Quinn and Williams, too. I know a lot of people have been complaining, but he had a quarterback hit. He had a sack. There was a play where he beat a double team and almost got to Hodges and took his head off. So once again, we saw those flashes. And this time, in addition to the flashes, we saw the box score production. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, if you're the Jets, you, you got to just hope you see uh, more and more of that as he kind of grows and progresses here. Uh, you know, I know that he's been asked to kind of do a lot of unselfish things this season. So got to feel nice if you're him to kind of get some of those uh, individual statistics. And if you're uh, if you are in the Jets building, if you're a Jets fan, you just want to see more of that as he progresses into next year, because, uh, you know, at some point, for all of the disruption and stuff that kind of goes on behind the scenes for a guy that's a number three overall pick, you want to see kind of the concrete evidence of it. So, so good to see some on Sunday, but uh, you know, got to keep that rolling for Quinn Williams for sure. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the baseball betting podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Matt, let's go inside the locker room. What did Coach Gase have to say? Yeah, so uh, Adam was just, uh, you know, mostly happy about how the game went. Uh, The fact that this team has kind of fought and scraped through uh, a tough game. And, uh, you know, he was proud of them pulling out another one-score victory here. I know the Jets are 4-1 in one-score games this season, so he was pleased with that. He had a lot of nice things to say about Marcus May. Uh, You know, he singled out those two plays that we did and uh, was raving about his performance. And then, obviously, Le'Veon Bell and uh, his, you know, connection to the Steelers came up as well. So, uh, you know, he was happy for, for Le'Veon Bell to get this victory. Same for Heinz Ward, obviously, on the Jets coaching staff. Uh, you know, he got a little Gatorade bath from Robbie Anderson, I think it was, after the game, dumping the cooler on him. So, uh, Heinz Ward was fired up to get this win. So, uh, Adam Gase was kind of tipping his hat to those guys and, you know, was fired up for them to kind of get this victory. But, uh, other than that, you know, a relatively uh, uneventful press conference from Adam Gase. No uh, injury updates from him, really, to speak of. So uh, Jets seem to have made it out of this one pretty healthy, too. So uh, we'll find out a little bit more about that on Monday on the conference call, see if there's any follow-up injuries that we didn't get to today. But uh, on the whole, uh, just a, a relatively upbeat Adam Gase. Happy to get that sixth win of the season, kind of do it against 
a team that obviously was in playoff contention had something to play for where as the Jets, uh, you know, they, they, they obviously don't have anything to play for at this time of year. So to knock off a team that's desperate seemed to, to make him a little bit uh, happy as well, just to, uh, you know, he, he wasn't willing to say that it was kind of extra validation for them, but uh, obviously from the outside looking in, you can kind of tell that, you know, winning this game versus some other wins that the Jets have racked up this season, it, you know, this one probably should mean a little bit more if you're the Jets. So uh, I, I think Gase kind of knows that and he just didn't want to hint at it, but uh, that was kind of the lay of the land from uh, his press conference there. What the players have to say? Yeah. So uh, I mentioned Jordan Jenkins, obviously admitting that he was nervous about that ball in the air that Marcus may came over and broke up. But uh, beyond that, he uh, kind of realized during his uh, talk with some of the reporters that, you know, in his four seasons with the Jets now, this is his winningest year, which uh, might make some Jets fans kind of shake their head in dismay. The fact that six wins is kind of, you know, the best year in this span. But, uh, you know, for Jordan Jenkins, he was uh, kind of pleased to realize that this has been at least record-wise the best year for him in Florham Park in New York. Uh, and, you know, I asked him, given how much, bad has kind of seemed to happen this year how many injuries and you know bad losses and disappointing moments and strange drama if it's if it feels weird to him that this has been the most successful on paper season he's had here and he kind of said he's like yeah I mean this has been the the kind of season where you know anything that can go wrong seemingly has but uh for this team to kind of fight through it and and get to this point he, he was pretty proud of that fact so uh you know Jordan Jenkins had that to say but uh Jamal Adams kind of put a different spin on it and basically said that if you you don't make the playoffs, it doesn't matter and everything else is irrelevant. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of what you expect from Jamal Adams, uh, you know, pretty blunt uh, black and white approach from him. So, uh, you know, Jamal, Jamal taking the black and white approach, like I said, Jordan Jenkins, a, a little bit more shades of gray there. Uh, I don't think Jordan Jenkins was saying by any stretch that he's uh, ecstatic and, you know, content with six wins here, but uh, it certainly sounded like he at least saw some signs of progress in the fact that the Jets have, you know, at least up their win tally from when he's been there. So uh, that's what they had to say. Le'Veon Bell uh, kind of admitted to, you know, having this win mean a little bit extra for him, uh, you know, being a little extra juiced up for this one. Not that he was playing any harder, trying any harder, but just that there was a little extra meaning on the line for him playing against the Steelers. And, uh, you know, I had to ask him obviously about, his wardrobe choice for the game today, wearing a gold sweater and black pants into the stadium today, kind of riled some people up before the game. So certainly seemed interesting from the outside looking in and take this for what it's worth, you know, choose to believe Le'Veon or not. But he said that he uh, wasn't trying to be petty or, uh, you know, cause too much of a, a real stir. He just figured that if he wore black and gold, he would, you know, get some people's attentions and uh, people's attention and, raise some eyebrows and uh, you know, if that was his only stated goal, I would say that he certainly accomplished his mission because Twitter was blowing up around 11 a.m. this morning while I was trying to get through stadium traffic. So uh, <laughs> thanks to Le'Veon for giving me a scare when I wasn't able to la- access my laptop. Appreciate that one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, other than that, uh, pretty quiet day in the locker room. Marcus May did speak, but unfortunately I, I didn't get a chance to listen in on what he had to say. Uh, but, you know, mostly just happy faces around the Jets locker room. So uh, always nice when guys are upbeat for once in a, a challenging season. So uh, some happy players, 
guys glad to get the win six wins they seem pretty fired up uh you know just to get another one and do it against a team that is in the the heat of things that was a persistent theme with all of these guys just beating a team that's in the, the playoff mix that maybe you know not that they were focused on playing spoiler or anything like that but they know that they beat a team that had something on the line uh and at this time of the year if you have something on the line you're probably a pretty good team so the, the Jets felt like they kind of accomplished something. Matt kind of buried the lead here, and I'm surprised at myself for not mentioning this at the beginning, but this was more or less like a Steelers home game, wasn't it? Yeah. A lot of terrible towels in that life stadium on Sunday, for sure. Uh, my photographer from NJ.com actually sent me an email right around kickoff. It said, Jesus, were they handing out terrible towels at the gate today? Because uh, I guess he was a little bit caught off guard by how many Steelers fans were in attendance, but uh, I know you know we were obviously kind of expecting a lot of Steelers fans there, but yeah, they were there. They were loud for sure. But uh, the Jets, for for what it's worth, it really didn't bother them that much. And they actually started off the game in the silent count, but then actually went back to normal snap count after that because they said they were here just fine. So uh, it wasn't, I guess, as bad as they were expecting, or at least it was you know, better than the worst case scenario that they had kind of prepared for during the week. So uh didn't seem to affect them too much, but uh yeah, I mean, it's takeable if you were sitting in the building or I'm sure watching at home as well, just a lot of Steelers fans in New Jersey today. Any other news or notes that we missed? No, I think that uh, about covers it, Scott. In that case, got to ask you an important question, Matt. Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, get a couple of days kind of off that, Sounds pretty nice. Go hang out with the the family a little bit. So uh, should be nice. Can't complain. And uh, you know, wrapping up the the season here one last week. You squeeze Christmas in. It's kind of weird that the the last week of the season gets broken up as much as it does by the holiday. But you know, I'm not going to complain. It's weird that it's sort of deja vu from 2015, where the Jets are going to end the season in Buffalo. Of course, this time there are zero stakes on the line because the Bills already clinched the five seed for the playoffs. The Jets can't go to the playoffs, so this isn't like 2015 where the Jets had a playoff berth on the line. But if you want to go and see that game where Matt will be covering it live from the press box, you can't do that, but you can get yourself a ticket over on the Vivid Seats mobile app. Download it right now. Use the promo code OVERTIME, and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You could go to that Bills-Jets game in Buffalo, or if you want, you can go to something else, maybe a concert, a wrestling match, a boxing match, a basketball game, a hockey game. Whatever it is you want to do, you can do it when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and enter the promo code OVERTIME. You'll get yourself 100 bucks off on your very first ticket purchase. Matt, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you next week. It'll be the finale between the Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Until then, I hope that you have yourself a very Merry Christmas, and I know that you've got a lot of material up right now at nj.com slash Jets. Plenty of people are going to be looking to read about the Jets over the Christmas break because they're going to want to escape from their families for a little bit, get a little peace and quiet. So they'll sit down, they'll read a little Matt Stipulkowski at NJ.com, and when they do, what do they have in store for them? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, off of this game, just had a quick look at some of the, the best and worst performers from this one. Went out with the gun there when the game ended, but uh, we'll have some bigger picture look stuff on Monday morning. Just kind of uh, taking this game and the last handful of games here and kind of putting them in perspective. And Jets fans should be uh, optimistic about this team going forward, but also some reasons why maybe they should have some concern as well. So 
kind of breaking down some of the themes around this team right now in the big picture sense and uh, also dive a little bit deeper into what Jordan Jenkins and Jamal Adams kind of had to say about the fact that this is statistically or, you know, at least in terms of the box score, the, the standings, the best season that they've had with the Jets, kind of their take on that. So uh, that'll be up Monday morning. And then uh, throughout the week, going to have plenty more stuff, of course, going up that'll be kind of uh, look ahead stuff to 2020, look ahead to the off season stuff. Cause uh, you know, no offense, but I don't think, people want to read all that much uh, specifically about the matchups between the, the Jets and the Bills for a meaningless week 17 <laughs> game. So uh, I'll probably be spinning it forward a little bit on that one. And, uh, you know, speaking of that game in Buffalo next week, if everyone could just, uh, you know, say a little prayer for me, if you're the praying kind or, you know, just spare a thought for me, we've, I got 7am flight out of Buffalo on Monday morning after that game. And I got to pray that there's no snow or anything up at the lakes up there. Because got to get back to Florin Park Monday morning for uh, the Jets cleaning out their locker room. So if there's snow in the forecast, I got to drive home Sunday night and rent a car instead. So I'd really prefer to drive or prefer to fly instead of drive. So uh, if you guys could all you know do a, a little anti-snow dance or something like that, I'd appreciate it because I really don't want to drive overnight from Buffalo back to New Jersey. That sounds terrible. Let's just hope that on the 12th day of Christmas, Santa gives Matt an easy flight back from Buffalo to Florham Park because the last thing that we want Matt to have to do to end the year would be a long eight-hour drive from Buffalo, especially since it's possible, being Buffalo and all, that it would be a drive in the snow, and we definitely don't want that to happen. So say a little bit of a Christmas prayer for Matt, if you could, and make sure you read his work over at nj.com slash jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.